Welcome to Lake Mount Worship Center, connecting you to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by today's message. Well, good morning, Lake Mount family. Great to have this opportunity to bring the word again. Uh, it's always a great honor to bring the word, and especially when your pastor asks you to do that. In, our, in your home church, I consider it to be a double honor. So thank you, Pastors Matt and Lisa, uh, for giving me this privilege uh, once again. Well, the last time that, um, that I preached, which was really not that long ago, uh, I, I made a boo-boo, but I also had something very exciting to look forward to. I told you that we had a grandchild on the way. Uh, the boo-boo that I made was uh, in thinking that I was really prophetic and uh, declaring that the baby would come on October the 4th. Well, baby came on October the 12th. <laughs> but you know who was very accurate prophetically? Our daughter-in-law, Rachel. And she, because she had said the baby is going to come on October the 12th. As a matter of fact, a few months before that, all of us thought it was going to be a girl. And she said, no, it's going to be a boy. So if you want anything prophetically accurate, talk to Rachel, right? <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I got to give you a grandparents update, right? So guys, can you put up the slide there? Uh, and, uh, and the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that is uh, little Judah Daniel Sam. And this is him meeting his 92-year-old great-grandfather for the very first time. Yeah. Quite a precious moment. As a matter of fact, he's only three weeks old in that picture. But the way he looked into my dad's eyes, it was like, hey, I know you. You're, you're my people, okay? And so uh, it was very, it's a precious moment, okay? The next, next picture, please. Okay, so these are the doting grandparents. <laughs> adoring their most handsome and beautiful baby in the whole wide world. Okay? So Satya and Shaloma live just seven minutes from us, and so, so we do get to uh, spend some uh, grand, grandparent duty there. And so... Uh, uh, something really exciting happened uh, the last time we were there. Uh, we got to change our first baby diaper in 30 years. <laughs> By the way, our 30-year-old baby will be running around here somewhere in the second service. His name is J.S. Sam, in case you didn't make the connection. Uh, actually, Slodna changed the diaper, and uh, I was observing very carefully. Okay. Guys, can you roll the video? So, oops, no, 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 no video. Okay, all right. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, uh, you know, I was just thinking about this in the old days, like about three years ago, um, when you had a grandchild and, and you saw a grandma, you try to keep away from her because as soon as you opened her purse, out would come this huge photo album with 1147 pictures of her <laughs> beloved grandchild. Did you know that Mary had a baby boy? Okay, all right. But now you just got to pick up the phone and everything, and you got... 11,470 pictures there. So if you come close to me and I take out my phone, watch out, you're in for a slideshow. <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, I want to start out my message a little bit differently. I want to say hello uh, to all the mothers in the nursing mother's room. Uh, Shaloma, our daughter-in-law, was there for the first time uh, with the baby. And, and she, she was just really overwhelmed by how comfortable that room is and how it is ideally set up where you can, don't have to miss any part of the service or miss taking care of your baby. And it, 
Uh, can I give you a secret? I've actually been in that room, not for nursing mothers, but uh, for Rafa Ministry. And it's, the most, it's got the most comfortable seats in the entire uh, building as far as I'm concerned, right? Now, the reason I mention that is because the Apostle Paul said something very interesting in 1 Thessalonians 2, 6-7. He says, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, we were gentle with you like a nursing mother. Imagine that, the Apostle Paul thinking of himself as a nursing mother being gentle, taking care of his children, his newborn babes in Christ. And scripture also tells in Isaiah 63, 13, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. And he's talking about Jerusalem at this place. But you know what, what, what uh, struck me uh, when Shalomar shared that and I was asked to preach this uh, morning is for a nursing mother to feed her baby, she has to be in a state of overflow. She has to have more than enough in order to help that baby to grow. And friends, that is God's heart for you and for me. God's heart for us is to be in overflow mode all the time because that's his desire and it's also built into his design. Let me just give you a couple of illustrations. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, 8 to 10, after the Lord God uh, made uh, Adam, says that he planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Uh, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. Uh, bonus points, if you can name all four. Pishon, Gihon, Herakel, and Euphrates. I, I looked them up, by the way. Okay? All right. True confessions. But just look at this. One man has this huge garden and a river flowing all the way through it. And then it, it's so big that it parts into four riverheads. Wasn't that kind of over the top? But you see, that's God. God begins our life on earth in a state of overflow. And then in Genesis 12, we get to 13, rather, we get to uh, Abraham. It was called Abram at the time. And, and God says to him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. One couple is given all this land as far as their eyes can see. Do they really need all that? But you see, we have a God of the overflow. We have a God who wants us to live and walk in more than enough. Exodus 3, chapter 3, when Moses is called at the burning bush, God says, I have come to deliver my people out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from this land to a good and large land, a spacious land, some translations say, to a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. I learned to pronounce those in seminary, by the way. All right? So don't, don't, don't worry if you can't pronounce them. But again, a land that is overflowing 
flowing with milk and honey, as if a freedom in a new land is, is not enough. God says, no, it's going to be flowing because that is my heart. That is my desire. First Kings chapter 18, uh, we look at Elijah, the famous confrontation with the prophets of Baal. And when Elijah's turn comes to build the altar, he asks them not only to get everything ready, but to pour water over and over and over again until it overflows. And then what does the fire of God do when it comes? It licks up everything, including the overflowing water. See, God does nothing in a small way. Our God is a big God. He is the God of the overflow. Uh, just a while ago, you know, Pastor Becky prayed for the offering, and, and she said something very important, a distinction that we make in this house all the time. It is his tithes and our offerings. Now, why is this so important for us to do this regularly? Listen to these words from Malachi 3.10. Again, you know these, 10 and 11. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now with this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. <laughs> now, would you call that the overflow? Yes, that is God's heart. That's his desire. That's his design. And of course, uh, the shortest verse that sums this up uh, very succinctly is Psalm 23, 5. My cup runneth over. Or in plain English today, my cup overflows. And, and Ezekiel 47, uh, the vision that Ezekiel sees of the temple with the river flowing, you know, it starts ankle deep and then knee deep and then waist deep. And then he, it, it overwhelms him. It overflows who he is. And, and, and you know what uh, the passage goes on to say that Everywhere that river flowed, there was life. Because there were trees on the bank of the river that were bearing their fruit in season. And friends, this is why God wants us to walk and live in the overflow all the time. Now, Jesus also modeled this in a, in a powerful way, in multiple ways actually, during his life on earth. Uh, as a matter of fact, in John 3.34... When John the Baptist talks about Jesus, he says, The one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without measure. See, that's the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus without measure. So he was always in a state of overflow. And then Jesus said this uh, not only for, for himself, but also for us. He said in, in John 7, 38 to 39, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them or from their belly, as the older translations say. And then John adds this postscript. By this he means the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And friends, even when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there is always an overflow. So in John chapter 20, 21, when the disciples are in the upper room, Jesus says, you know, peace be with you. Father has sent me. I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Fast forward two chapters. We're in Acts chapter 2 now, or three chapters rather. On the day of Pentecost, what happens? They're all 
filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, you would think that would have been a, like a really, really good filling. <laughs> that would have loaded them enough for a lifetime. But no, in Acts chapter 4, after they've been taken in front of the Sanhedrin and, you know, reprimanded and so on, they gather in a room and they pray. And what happens in Acts 4.31? After they prayed, where they were, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. As a matter of fact, there's an interesting uh, expression here that is used on the day of Pentecost that when people were speaking in their tongues and the others heard them, uh, how did the people who were there gather, uh, interpret what was going on? Acts chapter 2.13. Some of them said they are filled with new wine. What are they saying? These guys are drunk. Now, think about this for a moment. Uh, I'm not speaking from experience, by the way, okay? But when somebody gets drunk, would you say that's going to overflow in another sense? Because you've had too much of, 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 of alcohol, in this case, to, to, ha to have that kind of response that makes them do things that they would not normally do. And that's what these people, they had no other grid to explain what was happening on the day of Pentecost and say, oh, I bet you they've been drinking since this morning. That's why they are acting this way. They, they even, they recognized that there was an overflow at work. They just didn't know that it was an overflow of the Holy Spirit. And then we get to chapter 6 in the book of Acts, uh, where there's a controversy or a complaint among the, 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 the Greek widows the, and, the, and the Jewish widows, and, and they're not being looked after properly. And so the apostles say, you know what, we have to devote ourselves to prayer and the preaching of the word. But let us appoint seven men here to do this task to make sure that this, uh, you know, inequity is addressed. But here's what, what they say. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Now, can you, can you see this uh, job ad? Wanted. Waiters and servers, qualifications filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Um, how about experience in waiting on tables, taking orders, filling them, you know, a, a 9.5 on Google? No. They need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. That was the primary requirement. And then here's the description of Stephen. Verse 5, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And we begin to see evidence of, of Stephen who is functioning in the overflow because in verse 9, we read about how the, all, all the leaders began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. See, when you're overflowing with the Holy Spirit, then you receive Holy Spirit wisdom with which you can speak into the lives of others, with which you can speak the truth, and they could not refute anything that he said. In verse 15, it also says, All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. The overflow of the Holy Spirit inside of him was even manifesting in his physical appearance. And I'm sure that's what Pastor Becky meant this morning when she said, Tell somebody they're beautiful. Because you're beautiful because the Holy Spirit inside of you 
is showing on your face. And friends, that is God's design for us. That is God's desire for us. Now, another way in which the overflow uh, in Jesus' life actually manifested itself was actually in healing. So in Luke chapter 5, 17, we read, The power of the Lord was present to heal. In other words, yes, Jesus is there. And because Jesus is there, the power of the Lord is present to heal. It's another way of saying Jesus is walking in this overflow of the Holy Spirit. And that overflow is all they needed to receive their healing. No words needed to be spoken. No hands needed to be laid. It was simply the presence of the Lord, the power that was present there. And that's why in Luke 6, 19, uh, we're told that when Jesus, you know, came to Gennesaret, the entire crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming from him. The crowd recognized that Jesus was walking in an overflow of the healing healing, uh, um, uh, anointing, and they knew that individually they could not all get his attention He may not have had time for everyone individually because it was a crowd. And so what did they do? Let's go tap into the overflow. And if all we did, just like the woman did a a, a few verses before that, if all we do is touch the hem of his garment, we will receive from that overflow. Now, Jesus did this, but it wasn't just Jesus that walked in an overflow of healing. Uh, When you come to the book of Acts chapter 5, 15 to 16, we are told people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by unclean spirits, and all of them were healed. What's Peter's shadow? Did the sun have to shine for Peter's shadow to fall on them? Of course not. What is being referred to is the overflow of the Holy Spirit in Peter was so strong that he cast a shadow and anybody who was in that vicinity, anybody who was in that place of overflow, the, the, the magnetic field, the sphere surrounding that overflow, if you will, got healed. Peter never had to touch them. He never had to say a word. And then later on in Acts 19.11, we read about how God did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and the diseases and evil spirits left them. The overflow of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in Paul was, was even carried you know, in, in fabric, in aprons and handkerchiefs. And when they touched people, not only were they healed, they were also set free. They were delivered from what was oppressing them. Remember uh, a few years ago, uh, Bill Johnson was sharing about how his son Brian and a buddy were walking through a mall uh, in Reading. And as they were walking, all of a sudden this guy stops and he, he you know, he rummages all over his blood and takes out all this drug paraphernalia and just throws it right there. And, and it's like, what did I do that for? It was the overflow of the Holy Spirit in the two gentlemen that walked by him. He had no grit for it, but he knew that this was something that he, he just could not continue with what he was doing before when he was pres- in the presence of that overflow. You know, a number of years ago, uh, I, I went on, a, on an outreach uh, to a New Age fair. 
Okay, not recommended to do by yourself, okay? You, you go with the team. Uh, there's all sorts of dynamics behind it. And so, so we're setting up a booth right next to the tarot card readers and the palm readers and, uh, you know, all the other new age mystical stuff. And so this guy from one of the booths comes by us. He's curious just to find out what we are because ours says, you know, uh, healing. Uh, sorry, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm drawing a little blank here. But spiritual readings and healing prayer, okay? So spiritual readings is a term that's very familiar to the New Age crowd. And so, so they're very curious. You know, what do you do that is different? And remember this guy coming from one of the booths. He comes to our booth. He looks at a few of us that are just kind of standing there. And he says, oh, man, that light is too bright for me. And he just walks away. <laughs> now, did we, did we turn on something <laughs> for that light to be shone? No. It was the Holy Spirit who was overflowing in us that we didn't even know we were carrying that overflow. But someone else who was on the dark side could tell that this light was too bright for him. As a matter of fact, a little while later we noticed that he actually had his booth moved away from where we were because he, he was not getting any business. The power of the Holy Spirit. We didn't have to say, we cast out the English demon in Jesus' name. No. We just had to live and walk in the overflow. Amen? All right. So, yes, so this is funny how the Holy Spirit sets these things up. On, on a Friday, we live in St. Catharines, and I was at a, a business networking event, you know, you know, just to let people know about our marriage mentorship and so on. And so this woman comes to me at the end of the meeting, and she said, uh, you know, uh, I, I think we've connected on, you know, on this particular network before. I said, yeah, I think we corresponded back and forth. And so she said, uh, uh, you're Christian, right? I said, yes. And she said, so am I. So I said, well, that's awesome. And so, so I said very, you know, very casually, so, you know, what church do you go to? She told me the name of the church in Welland, and I knew the pastor because I used to minister in Waynefleet and knew some of the ministers in the neighboring areas. And so, so she said to me, and what church do you go to? So I said, Lakemont Worship Center. She said, I've been there. I said, you have? Yeah, she said, uh, friends of mine uh, invited me. And um, I actually came to a service. I think the people um, that were uh, leading were from Guatemala. And so I'm thinking, like, this is obviously Stephen and Carla. And, uh, and she said, you know, something happened that I haven't really told too many people about because they asked people to come up for healing, and I didn't go. But I got healed right where I was. <laughs> Friends, this house, this house it's a house that values the overflow. I don't know how many of you were here in, in pre-service prayer this morning, but oh my goodness. After all, I couldn't stand up. You know, my, like tears were just flowing out of my eyes because the, the presence of the God, the overflow of the Holy Spirit was so high, and it's still here, by the way. So don't be surprised if you get healed and you said nothing or did nothing. Nobody laid hands on you. Hello? See, because... What Jesus wants us to do is he wants to fill us up so that we can be spilled out. <laughs> we come back and get filled up again. So we get spilled out again and we get come filled up again and get spilled out again because he wants us to walk in that perpetual overflow. And that's why when, when the uh, Sanhedrin, they cross-examined the, the apostles and they were astounded at the wisdom because they said they're from Galilee. You know, these guys are really not, should not be able to talk like this because they don't have the education, they don't have the training. How are they doing it? And the only conclusion they could come to was 
that they had been with Jesus. That they had caught the overflow that came from Jesus and now they are walking in that overflow and out of that overflow, what was the manifestation? They were bold. The righteous were bold as a lion. They were bold because when you have the overflow in you, you can't keep it to yourself. And honestly, you don't care what somebody else thinks. You have to let it out. I mean, I don't care what you think. I'm going to show you the pictures of my grandson. <laughs> because I'm overflowing with great joy that I just got to share. I can't keep it to myself. Boldness came from the overflow. And that's when Ephesians 5.18, the same Apostle Paul, the nursing mother, says, Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Now, sometimes we, translations simply say, be filled with the Spirit. But when you, when you examine all the, the, the Greek verbs and tenses and all those kind of things, which I, I haven't done since seminary days, but scholars tell me that this is the present imperative sense. In other words, this is something that you have to do and you have to keep on doing. And it's very interesting that Paul draws an analogy between not getting drunk in earthly spirits, but being filled with the spirit. In other words, don't get into overflow mode with all this stuff, but instead get into overflow mode and keep on getting filled. And that's why, friends, Jesus didn't just stop with blowing on them. Then came Pentecost. Then they were in a room. They keep on receiving the Holy Spirit over and over again because they needed to keep on getting filled to stay in that overflow mode. And when you are in that overflow mode, you know what else happens? In Luke chapter 6, 45, Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, sometimes when our words are not wholesome, you know, we think, you know, we just have to learn to say the right words. We think speech therapy is the answer. Jesus says, no, you need a heart transplant. Because it is what is in the heart. It's, what, it's not what goes into you that defiles you, but it's what comes out of you that defiles you. And what is in there is what you need to take care of. And then when you fix the root, you fix the fruit. It's as simple as that. The, 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 uh, okay, I'll, okay, Holy Spirit, thank you. He says, skip the Greek word study and keep going. Okay. So, so when you... <laughs> I'll, I'll share the word study with Pastor Matt later. Okay, Pastor Matt? Okay, all right. You and I will have a scholarly discussion. Okay. But, friends, there's a reason why we need to live in the overflow on a daily basis. Because when we are in the overflow, we overcome by the overflow. You need the, you need the overflow to overcome. I'll give you an example from Jesus' life. Uh, when, when Jesus came out of the Jordan, he was baptized. And then he was led by the Spirit. And he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Right? That's what scripture says. He was driven by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And as the devil comes and throws all these temptations at Jesus, how did Jesus respond to every one of them? He responded to them out of the word. Even when the tempter also quoted the word. 
If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. That was very easy for Jesus to say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil takes him to the city, uh, to Jerusalem, stands him on the highest point of the temple, and, and he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, the devil is quoting Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, Jesus didn't say, you know what? You're right. He didn't do that. Why? Because he had an overflow of the word inside of him. And out of that overflow, he said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, the reason Jesus is able to respond every time with the word of God is because he was overflowing with the word himself. And that's why, friends, the, the Bible is not just a reference book that we look up sometime. The, the, the Bible is, a, is the living word of God that we keep on devouring. You know, if you, there, are, there are a couple of uh, instances in the Old Testament, uh, in particularly the call of Ezekiel chapter 3, where Ezekiel is given a scroll with the word of God and he's told to eat it. And then after he eats it, he says it tastes sweet as honey, Psalm 19, and then he is sent out to the people so first he has to get the word inside of him before he can release the word outside to everyone that, that was waiting to hear the word. And Jeremiah 15, 6, Jeremiah says, When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name. You know, I mentioned the little reference to the prophetic at the very beginning. Uh, one of the things that, that I was taught uh, when I was learning how to grow in the prophetic was uh, no mates, dates, or babies. In other words, you do not prophesy particular dates, you know, or that, that somebody's going to get, uh, you know, married, you know, or they're going to have a baby. You know, and again, that, that's, that's not a hard and fast rule, it's because we're newbies. And, and, and we were basically told, like, do not prophesy out of the desires of your heart for that person. So in order to prevent that from happening, because you might end up causing some heartache, no, no dates made some babies. And, and that's why I said I broke that rule. I did something wrong uh, the last time I preached because I gave a date. Okay, I guess I will not be invited to do any prophetic equipping. Okay, all right, no problem. Okay. But, but here's the thing that I want to tell you. And, and you know what? Many of you have been equipped in prophetic ministry and are still being equipped in prophetic ministry. And it is one of the most powerful ways in which the Holy Spirit uses, uses us uh, because we, He gives us something to give somebody that is life-changing for them. Or it is encouraging for them uh, in that moment. And so when you are in that situation, you know, where you need to give somebody that encouraging word, you, you cannot say, hey, Siri. Hello, Google. <laughs> Can you have a prophetic word for my friend? His name is Adam Smith. No, it doesn't work that way. At that moment, something's got to come out from inside of you that has already been deposited in you before. You see? And see, because you, you need to have devoured the word for you to get that word out of there in that moment. So uh, if, you, if you haven't come to pre-service prayer, you really need to come. Because there's something very powerful that happens, you know, where, where in that atmosphere of heaven, you know, God just releases words. So two Sundays ago, three Sundays ago, I'm sitting there in my usual spot over there, the one with the extra leg room. And, and, and all of a sudden I'm hearing... They overcame by the 
blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, normally when I get a word like that, I would come up and grab the microphone and release it and, and then this whatever the Holy Spirit leads me with it. But I, I, for some reason, I was held back. I just could not come here and release that word. And so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, maybe this is for me. Maybe more testimonies will come and so on. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, see Stephen sitting over there? Go release that word to him. And I said, what do I say to him? He said, give him the verse. That's all he needs. I said, okay. So I came here and sat beside Stephen Wesley and said, Stephen, this is what I heard for you. And, you know, and, and he immediately had a hint of recognition because, because he had been debating. He shared this, right? Whether he was to share his testimony or not. And when you receive that word, which, by the way, was the scripture. That's the point I'm making here. Is that a prophetic word does not have to be something very profound, something very cleverly put together. It does not have to be a great picture or a little movie scene that you describe to somebody. The word of God that is inside of you, when it comes out, that can be the most prophetic word that somebody receives. Amen? All right. Okay. Now, uh, again, you know, uh, in this house... Another way in which we constantly stay in the overflow is by speaking in tongues, by praying in tongues. Uh, even this morning, you know, Crystal Valley came up and said, let's do this. Let's just, let's just pray in the Holy Spirit. And, and she had no idea what I was speaking about today. But it was like, yeah, God is setting the stage today for us to experience something in the overflow. And, and you know, another way in which we experience the overflow in this church is in our praise and worship. And so, you, you know, we, we, have you ever noticed that when worship is, is, is going on, nobody gets in the way? The, the pastoral staff, you know, who are, who are maybe coordinating the, the service, the flow of the service that day, they just know to stay back. And just, just let that overflow just take over because we, we want to work with the Holy Spirit and not in any way limit Him or restrict Him by our free will. And so, so, so that, that's why sometimes when, uh, when I was first new to the kind of praise and worship that we do, you know, I would sit there and say, why can't you get this done in 12 minutes flat? You know, why take 35 minutes? And then why did you drag that one song for eight and a half minutes? In my church, we would have had four and a half songs done at that same time. <laughs> because friends, when you're in the overflow you just let the Holy Spirit have his way and you get out of the way. That is the right thing to do. And that's why I believe uh, we are so blessed to be part of this house. You know, we, we have uh, a senior pastor or senior leader who is always in the overflow. You know, earlier this week when, when I got the, uh, the invitation to preach, uh, he was at a prayer retreat. He had taken two full days just to be in prayer, to spend time with the Lord, because he wants to be in the overflow all the time. And, and that's the desire of his heart, was the desire of Jesus' heart, for us as a house to get to that place of being in the overflow and keep on overflowing even more and more. I mean, it's, it's good to be in the flow when you're not at all in the flow, which is what I was previously, before I encountered the Holy Spirit. But then the Lord showed me no. You, you don't settle for the flow when I want you to live in the overflow. And that's his promise right from the get-go. Uh, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken again, running over. 
will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Because what is that describing? More than enough. The, 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 apparently, it's, re, it's referring to a, a practice in Jesus' day where when you went to buy grain and you gave them your money, then you basically took a part of your robe. Uh, people didn't have, you know, recyclable shopping bags in those days. And so the most, uh, uh, you know, eco-friendly thing to do was to actually spread out a, a flap of your robe and have them poured in there, and then you would tie it back together, and you would walk home and take it home. And so when the merchant gave you back what you paid for, they would not just give you the measure that they owed you, but they would then pour even more. They would press it down. They would shake it together till it settled down. And then they would give you even more. See, that is the overflow that, that Jesus is talking about. That is the overflow that he wants to give us. That is where he wants us to live. Uh, can I just say one quick word uh, for, about marriages? Because that's an area where God's been you know, using us uh, you know, powerfully in the last little while. One of the things that often happens in marriages, especially when couples come to us at the point of giving up on their marriage, one of the dynamics that we notice is that when we are attracted to each other in the beginning, have you ever, do you ever say things like, oh, you complete me in every possible way. I'm so blessed to have you. Now, sometimes that what you mean by completion is, I have a love deficit in my life, and you're filling it, and... And after you're married, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep on drawn from it and drawn from it. And then you begin to say, will you leave me alone? You're always so demanding. See, what seemed very attractive in the beginning of somebody completing, because you're always walking in a deficit. What if, what if husbands and wives focused on living in the overflow, on being filled with the Spirit of God, to that point where he's coming out of you, whether you want him to or not. So, when, uh, by the way, who, who do you get offended by the most when you're married? Your spouse, of course. They're too close to you. They can say something before, before they stop and, you know, kind of engage the, the, the brain fully. And, and you're like, what did you just say? Okay. And then when you have the overflow... Guess what happens? That lands, but then it goes, whoosh, because the overflow does not allow it to go in. As a matter of fact, what the overflow does, the overflow immediately comes out, and in your heart you say, I forgive you for that. See, when you're living out of the, forgive, out of the overflow, you do not take offense so readily. That's a word to people in other churches, okay? All right? So live in the overflow means that you don't have room to allow anything to get in there. Living in overflow is one of the purest forms of spiritual warfare that you can engage in because the enemy doesn't have chance to even get a foothold in there. And if he cannot get a foothold in there, he sure is not going to have a stronghold in there. So friends, this is what we are called to do, is to do what we need to do to live in the overflow. Can the worship team come up, please? All right. So, I believe that today the Holy Spirit wants us to do a few things from a place of the overflow. Okay? So, uh, let, let me 
Uh, let, let's ask everyone to kind of close their eyes uh, for a moment. I'm going to read to you a verse, uh, Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. God wants us to live in the overflow. But we, earthen vessels, we the cisterns, can thwart that plan of God, that overflow from becoming a reality, an ever-present reality in our lives. And so today I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us all, challenging us to live in that overflow, to uh, seal up those cracks. And what I felt the Holy Spirit uh, saying was that some of us started out with whole, wholesome cisterns, but we allowed some things to settle down in there. Maybe some anger, some resentment, some bitterness, and that has caused some cracks. And so rather than being filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit, we're allowing some of that overflow from not becoming reality. And so if the Holy Spirit's been showing that to you today and convicting you of that this morning, I'm going to encourage you to do something. Can bring about that change. And, and if as you are hearing his, his voice right now, not my voice, but his voice right now, and says, you know what? You need to get right with me. You have been trying to live life on your own, but it's like everything is leaking. Everything has been getting away from you. If that is you, and you're hearing the call, and you are answering that call today to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to come and fill this empty space in me, then I just want you to, every eyes closed, just put your hand up and say to the Lord, yes, Jesus, that's me. That's me today. I'm ready to do that today. Just put your hand up where you are and let Jesus know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're doing right now. And then there are many of us who have given our lives to Jesus already. We know that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, but we have not been living or walking in the Spirit as we know we ought to. And, and so can, can we all stand up for now? Let's just uh, open our hands to Him as an act of surrender. And also, if you, can, if you can just cup your hands a little bit so that it becomes like an empty vessel that He can fill. Just say to Him, Holy Spirit, will you come now? And fill me. Fill me to overflowing. And just let Him. Let Him come and fill you. And some of you may feel some tangible physical signs of that filling happening. But even if you don't feel anything, He's still doing it. Because in Luke 11:13, 13, you know, Jesus says, 
uh, if those of us who are evil know how to give good things to our children, how much more will the, Holy, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So as you are asking, come and fill me. The Holy Spirit is coming and filling you. Now one of the ways in which you can step that up a notch and go into a higher overflow mode is to have someone lay their hands on you. And so I'm going to teach you the simplest prayer you can pray that I learned as, as part, when I was part, part of uh, the, the Catch the Fire the Toronto Blessing in the early days of learning to walk in the Spirit. So just put your hand on the shoulder of the person to your left right now. And, and I hope you can memorize this prayer. Simply say, More Lord. And now do the same thing to the person to your right. Place your hand on the shoulder of the person to your right and say, what's the prayer again? More Lord. And, and as you have your hands on their shoulders, can I get you to step one, come up one step beyond where you are right now and ask Holy Spirit, is there something that you want to say to either the person on my left or my right? And some of you will get a verse or maybe just one word, a picture, whatever it is. I just want to give you permission for two minutes. So don't take too long. Just take two minutes and simply release whatever you received, whatever you heard in your spirit for them. And if you're not able to do it right away, don't worry about it. After the service, you can still do that. But Holy Spirit, I thank you. Thank you that you're releasing those words. And if you get anything for me, bring it to me at the end of the service. Thank you, Lord. Just, just go ahead and share it right now. I'm hearing two verses in my spirit, so whoever it is, uh, you can receive it. Um, I believe it's Isaiah 54, 12. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. And the other one, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, our two minutes are up. You can do that later. But I also sense that the power of the Lord is present to heal right now. And we're already in that atmosphere of overflow right now. So if you have a healing need, can you just put your hand up? If you came here with a healing need and you said, the Lord needs to touch me and heal me. I need it. Put it up nice and high. Okay. All right. So just uh, now, just, 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 um, Come along with me for a minute and, and, and just say, you know what? The atmosphere of heaven is here. My healing is here right now. 
And in faith, I'm just going to grab that healing. So just open your arms, get that healing, bring it down, and then put the healing virtue of Jesus wherever you need it. Or if, you know, if it's in a private place, just put your hand on your shoulder or your heart. But take that healing right now. Nobody needs to pray for you right now. I just sense in this, in this atmosphere that there is healing taking place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> he wants you to ask a question. Is there anyone I need to forgive right now? And if he brings anybody's name or face to your mind, very simply say, I choose to forgive you so-and-so. If they're in the room, don't have to go and tell them to their face, okay? Just do this in the spirit realm. Because he hears. I just had a sense that for some, the healing is going to manifest once you let go, once you release any anger, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness that is inside of you. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you have been doing. Thank you for what you're doing right now. So especially feeling that um, some people are here with some kind of pain in your ankle. I know somebody has a shin splint. Split, splint, splint. And also has felt a grace for healing in the eyes. So if that's something that's in your eyes that's bothering you, just receive that healing right now in Jesus' name. And the last thing the Holy Spirit wanted us to pray for today is healing of relationships. I, I just feel this uh, sadness and heaviness in my heart right now uh, for families where you are not actually looking forward to Christmas because there are unhealed relationships that are yet to be healed. There's someone who should be there that has said they will not be there because of the rift. And the Holy Spirit wants to heal that rift. And you begin by forgiving them. And then we're all going to come into agreement with you. We don't know who you are, what the situation is. But because we are here and because the, the, the anointing is overflowing in this place, we're going to come into agreement with you that every relationship that is trained, that is ripped, that is broken is coming together is being restored to wholeness to overflowing to abundance in Jesus name thank you Lord so can I call the ministry team to come up friends come on up and receive the ministry that you need if you being convicted to come up and get someone to lay hands on you, pray with you. If you gave your life to Jesus, then definitely come up here and, and have someone pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Otherwise, if you need to leave, we understand. If you want to just linger and just stay in this overflow and just breathe it in, breathe it in then please feel free to stay as well. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information on who we are, visit our website at lakebound.ca or download our app for your mobile device.